Coaches, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. We're excited to share a new sponsor for this season, Watch Game Film. The simple way to watch, exchange, and manage game film. We understand that ease of use is paramount to productivity, so our platform provides you and your team with the right video solution so you can focus on the game you love. Our intuitive player includes instant replay, slow motion, play loop, rewind, and more. Plus, our platform includes video telestration and commenting features, enabling you to convey clear coaching points to your staff and athletes. When it comes to sharing and trading film, our Excel platforms offers many ways to exchange with your friends, conference, or opponents, even if they're using other film management systems. Plus, we make it easy to communicate with your own team with the ability to message user groups, individual teams, or even contacts outside your team. We know the importance of highlight reels for athletes and recruiters. A highlight tool allows athletes and teams to create the ultimate highlight reel and show their talent to the world. So what about costs? Our packages start at just $100 a year or $50 per season for on-screen and in-text. That includes unlimited film and unlimited users. Our mission is to help coaches and athletes succeed without forcing them to spend limited funds on overpriced software. Ready to get started? Go to watchgamefilm.com. Again, that's watchgamefilm, all one word, .com to discover how watching and exchanging and managing film can be both simple and affordable. Coaches, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. This episode is sponsored by GameStrap. If you're in the need of a sideline replay system, look no further than GameStrap. GameStrat has the fastest sideline replay system on the market, and they provide 24-7 customer support. Their systems can be used for multiple sports, like football, basketball, and volleyball. Bottom line, making in-game adjustments equals winning more games. Go check out GameStrat on Twitter, at GameStrat, or on the web at www.gametimestrategy.com. We'd also like to mention a new sponsor of the podcast this year, Just Play Solutions. I know most of you know about Just Play and how they can take your game preparation to the next level. From scout cards to player quizzing to installs, Just Play provides coaches with football playbook and game planning tools to prepare faster and engage with today's athletes. Make it a party to check out Just Play this offseason before your league opponents do. Visit www.justplaysolutions.com. Sign up for a free do- demo and let them know we sent you. All right, uh, welcome to season five of the Mesh Point podcast. Tonight we're extremely excited to have Coach Scott Abel. Coach Scott Abel is the head coach at Davidson College. Coach, how you doing tonight? I'm good, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're Tony and I are tickled pink <laughs> to have you on. It's awesome to talk football with you, even amongst the craziness we're all sitting in. But uh, thank goodness for Zoom, right? We can all kind of connect that way. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I I think this is probably more like therapy, right? You know, it's an opportunity <laughs> to talk football. I, I find it very, uh, yeah, it, it, it's very calming right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Coach, why don't you kick us off? Talk about your background. Um, you know, where you're from, where you played, and then kind of your coaching journey getting all the way up to uh, to Davidson College. Sure. Uh, you know, for me, that this is a very unique journey, right? Um, a unique history for, for me coaching Division One football. So, uh, grew, grew up in a, in a family full of athletes and uh, knew really early on I wanted to coach. Like, I knew I wanted to coach in middle school. Really wasn't sure what sport and played everything. And then, 
you know, my high school career came to an end and everything and uh, had a really nice career, really in all three sports and had the opportunity to play all three at some level. But uh, baseball offered me a scholarship and numerous scholarships. And so I, I took a baseball scholarship um, and don't, don't regret a bit of it. Went to Longwood University and uh, had the opportunity to play in the College World Series and uh, got drafted by the Kansas City Royals in 92 and uh, spent uh, – you know, really short minor league career there um, and was released um, my second year um, with the organization and uh, went back to home and began to teach and coach. I got my degree in, in education and was hired uh, back in, in my home county and began to work uh, um, for a guy by the name of Billy Hahn, who's now running the Virginia High School League. And that's really kind of where, you know, I had a year of coaching before Billy, but that's kind of really where I, I think my my career really started for me when I decided, hey, football is what I want to do for a career. You know, um, football was always my first love growing up. Um, and it's really what I thought I was best at, to be honest. Um, but my tools told me otherwise, right? You know, I had a really good high school career and had offers to walk on and play some football, but uh, not like baseball. And so, um, but so when I began to coach and uh, uh, spent some, you know, spent some seasons with Billy and then had the opportunity to, to in 1997 to take the head job at Liberty High School in Bedford, uh, Virginia, and um, really wasn't ready. I was young. Uh, yeah, I, I got the job because no one else wanted it. I, I, I love that story. I got, well, matter of fact, there, I think three people turned it down. I think I was the fourth person. Offered it. But uh, I, that's not their fault. I mean, I was just, I was 27. Uh, I had, you know, I started a little late because my baseball career, I really only had three and a half years of experience under my belt, had no business being a head coach. And, um, but I'd learned some option games. I'm going to talk option here with Billy and began to kind of spread my wings. And um, at Liberty for those years, um, I was there for five years and the program had, had, had not won a playoff game and not won a, a, a any kind of championship of any kind of district regional. And uh, by, by our fourth, by our fourth year, we were winning, winning big and, and, uh, our fifth year, we went to the state semifinals and uh, uh, got got beat by Ahmad Bradshaw and the Graham oh boy. Yeah. group, uh, who had a heck of a year. And uh, and then in, in 2000 and uh, 2001, um, I had the opportunity to to go to Amherst County, um, which was a tough move because we we're in the same district. But playing, you have to edit that out. I apologize. Oh, I don't worry about it. Oh, keep rolling, man. Yeah. We're so, low maintenance. So, hey, you can you can put it on the podcast. Uh, We're yeah, low it's, Hey, just so everybody knows, it's my mom. It is her seventy fifth birthday. But I've wished her. I've wished her happy birthday. I want everybody oh, to know. Oh wow, we wish you seventy five. That's awesome, yeah. man. We yeah. wish her happy birthday too. Yeah. yeah so, great. I think she's probably checking on my wife. But uh, so yeah, so in, in two thousand one, I, I had the opportunity to go to to um, Amherst and. Uh, we were playing this – we had played Amherst in our league, and you just knew the town. We would beaten them my last year, but you just – it was a big school. It was the only school in the county and yeah. made the jump in. And uh, really, um, uh, what, what exciting times we had. We were there for six years, and uh, uh, we had a lot of success, won a couple state championships. And in 2008, um, uh, the Washington League opportunity opened up, and uh, – to be honest, I turned it down the first time. That's I'm not the smartest guy in the world, right? Uh, I just, you know, my son was in middle school and I couldn't come to grips with, with really not coaching him. He grew up, thought he was going to play for me. I wanted to coach him, but uh, they offered me the job twice. I'm very grateful they did, and I took it the second time. And 
spent 10 years there and, uh, um, you know, uh, very grateful for my time. And what an amazing experience. And then, you know, the Davidson opportunity uh, in the winter of 2017 um, showed itself. And, uh, you know, initially I had not applied. A lot of people probably thought I was a good candidate with the two academic kind of mirror, you know, the academics mirror each other, but one's at the FCS level, one's division three. And, but I did not apply. And, um, and, and in December, I was actually in Richmond. My son played for university of Richmond and finished his career there. And he had, he had had surgery at the end of the season. So I was actually up with him in surgery and got a couple phone calls from some Davidson people that um, had nudged me to apply and put my name in the hat. So I did. And what, what, what a great decision. And, and, kind of very different from WNL. I came down here about a week after that and met with them and knew this is where I wanted to be, you know, um, to be honest. And uh, they, they just, it was tough to leave WNL. I had great, I had great people with me there and I took a lot of them with me, but unfortunately not everybody could come and great friends that I, I will be forever grateful for. But um, yeah, it was just an opportunity. What I saw, what Davidson's uh, idea was certainly try to uh, bring their football program up to speed with their basketball program. You know, and that got me real excited. And the leadership here, our president, Carol Quillen, and, um, you know, she she has done a phenomenal job here in her time here, not just with football, but raising the bar here and, and what uh, high academics and Division One athletics looks like. And so um, I, I, got, I got extremely excited about that. And so I took the job uh, and, and was named head coach in January of 18. And here we are, yeah, two years later. That's a that's an awesome journey. I, yeah. you, you don't hear a lot of guys starting off with, you know, being drafted by the Kansas City Royals yeah. to be the head coach of Davidson. And you're right that you, you said in the beginning it was going to be a little different type of journey. And and that's yeah. uh, it, it, I think it's good for the listeners to hear because you know we all go in separate paths and do different things, but we all end up here talking option football, right? So well, we um, do. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, that's part of it, you know, it is such a neat part of it, right? You know, I mean, my journey has led me to 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 really sit and talk football with some of the best football minds ever in this country, right? And um, I'm not sure I deserve to, right? But I'm very grateful. And now, you know, here I am. I'm later in my. I'm I'm not as young as you two, so I'm later in my career. I turned 50 this year, and you know, it, it it's it's been fun. Now I have programs. You know, we had a coach from Notre Dame come down and meet with us in the off season, right? And, BYU here and uh you know so uh you know as you grow this it's it's been fun for us you know and I say for us because I have so many people that have kind of been with me through this journey which is neat you know my defense coordinator and I've been together really some form or fashion since we started coaching high school football together uh when we were 24 years old right so um we've had to leave each other a couple times and then because I couldn't take him with me to WNL and reconnect but uh it's definitely been um it's definitely been a group effort along the way. Yeah. Coach, I had a quick question. Uh, speaking back about your baseball, I read in your bio, it says you hit a home run your first at bat there in the minor leagues. <laughs> I was wondering what you're thinking. You got to be like, man, this is easy. I'm going big time now. Here we go. You know, um, I, it would be a moment i never forget. I don't, I don't miss uh, playing minor league baseball for, for all those that are listening out there. Right. <laughs> and for all those that are chasing like pro sports, um, I, it was my dream to play pro sports, like so many of our athletes, right? You know, and I was a I was a good athlete, but I had to work very hard in my craft, no matter what it was. And uh, so, getting the opportunity to play pro sports was like a dream come true. But you you quickly realize 
what it is. And, and it's a work. I mean, it's real work and it's not a lot of pay, especially in minor league baseball. But that's my first, you know, I didn't play the, so we opened the season. I got drafted and I was sent to Eugene, Oregon, right? It was my second time I'd ever been on a plane in my life and I flew across country. And uh, first, you know, the first night I was a 35th round draft pick. So I didn't play night one, night, night two, I was DH. And, and I think I was in the sixth or seventh hole. I'm not real sure. And uh, yeah, I remember first pitch, it was a lefty and um, it was a fastball and it was a ball and it was up in my chest. I was like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to break my bat. That's really what I was thinking, right? Don't break your bat. Your first wooden bat, don't break it. And, uh, but I knew he was coming back fastball and, and I just timed it right. And I knew when I hit it, it I mean, it was one of those ones, that, but I, I sprinted around the bases. Right? <laughs> so, uh, but you know, the, the story of it, I went two for three that night and, um, I couldn't wait to call my dad. You know, my dad is, is uh, I call him my coaching mentor. You know, um, he coached all three. I have two brothers um, who we all were in sports. We all were in coaching in our life. And, and he was a dairy farmer. That sounds great. But he played football and baseball at East Carolina. And um, we, I, we owe it to him. He, he mentored us into loving sports and, and our passion for, for what we do. And uh, we all kind of coach something different. But um, uh, I couldn't wait to get to the phone to call, call home and, and tell my dad. And, you know, by then it was pay phones, right? You could, <laughs> yeah, yeah we, I had to wait till I get back to the hotel. But uh, it was great. Then the next night I was in the lineup. Uh, started. They moved me up to the four hole. Went two for three. Feeling good about it. Uh, see, the story gets better. This is kind of where the the end begins to see the light, right? I'm in pregame warm up. I step on a baseball and break my ankle. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, so I go two. I go two for three, the home run, and then, uh, uh, yeah, I was on the DL. I had a small fracture. I was on DL for six weeks. Uh, came off it. Um, hit really well though. I, I came off it and went like my twelve for my next twenty four, and I got moved up. And then that was about it. I got moved up and set the bench for the rest of the summer. Yeah, it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> great story that's awesome that's great that's awesome well coach you've you've hit on a couple people and i'm sure you might talk about them again but maybe talk about a mentor that you you know you've leaned on over the years to help you know guide you through some you know when you've got to make a difficult decision you know who you call it that kind of guy you know? yeah you know um for me you know i think they, they kind of go in phases you know i mean i i mentioned billy hall already you know early in my career when i became a head high school coach i really Billy and I talked often, a lot more than Billy would ever want me to, to talk to him. You know, he, he eventually got into being a principal, but, um, you know, you could really, you know, being in high school leadership, you could lean on those things. And then, and then it, you, you, you know, I worked for some great ADs. Guys, you know, um, Ricky Falls comes to mind. He, he was my AD at Liberty, and Steve Boyer, he was my principal. Well, they hired me when they shouldn't have, right? And so they were great mentors for me, helping me through those tough decisions. And, uh, and I'll never forget, we were, we were 0-10, in my second year, and I, I'd had a player murdered in the middle of the year, and I'm 28, and I'm giving a eulogy, and, and the wheels are coming off. And I, I remember having a conversation with both of them about, yeah, maybe I should be coaching baseball. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe, maybe the good Lord's trying to show me a sign. And they were both they were just like such rocks for me. You know, they, uh, I, I had a plan. I've been great about sticking to a plan my entire career. This is what I think should have to happen. And, and my plan was at Liberty was we, we got, you know, they were winning basketball state championships left and right. And so my plan was, I got to get a few of those guys to play football. I got, you know, I got to learn from that program, you know, uh, Mark Hanks was the head coach then. And, and I got to get our kids to lift. Right. And so, you know, I had to lift really hard when I was playing baseball to be the player I was. So I would sit by the buses and tell kids, Hey, let's get in the weight room. And of course, you know, high school kids got a lot of excuses. Like mama wants you. I said, well, let's call your mom. 
And of course, that wasn't the case. Mom didn't care, you know. So um, it was consistency to keep them in the weight room and to stick to what I thought was the right formula. And you kind of had to tweak the formula, and I did. And you know, so those two guys were great instrumental pieces for me. And then, you know, when I went to Amherst, I, you know, kind of the same thing. Great leadership. You know, when your career changed, but you know, in that, at Amherst now, you got you know, I had to handle. We were winning at such a big level, right? You, the community, we were averaging 12,000 fans a night. It was so, you know, William Goldthorpe McGoldie was my AD there and, and Ernie Gwill and just incredible mentors for me, right? You know, you know, football began to take its own shape of who my mentors were at that point. And it, it's so unique because, you know, I, I wasn't a traditional flexbone guy, but I was visiting Army and Navy. And, um, but I began to visit Walford. Wade Lane. So Wade was offense coordinator at Walford. Late my late my time at, at, at Amherst, I visited Wade quite a bit at Walford and began to get intrigued by the gun stuff. They weren't really committed to it; they were flirting with it at the time. And so, well, then I got to WNL, and um, our first year we were under center running the, the option game. And really, to kind of let the option people out there listen to know, I, I was really more Nebraska than flexbone for most of my career. You know. I with some power, some midline, some triple out of the eye, some speed option, and so on. Um, and so that's kind of what we were at, at, at WNL my first year. And we were fine. I mean, we weren't great, though. We were average. And I thought we, we really had to find a way to get better, be a little more unique. So my offensive coordinator, I, had, I mean, my um, offensive line coach, uh, Gavin Colleton, who became kind of, uh, uh, you know, even though he was one of my assistants, he's Gavin was one of the first guys that worked for me that was actually older than me. I I just had my whole career, I had some younger guys around me that, as far as coaches. Um, and so Gavin, um, yeah, he, I, I mentioned Walford to him what they're doing and he had, he had heard about it and he's like, we need to go down there. And so we went down there and he's like, this is what we need to do. You know, with your knowledge of option, let's, let's, let's grow to the gun. Let's, let's build on what they're doing, but let's, you know, follow your philosophy. Let's be committed to the simple things we want to do and get great at them as an offensive line coach. And he was right. And, um, you know, and, and Gavin's kind of one of those guys I talked about that he couldn't make the move with us. He was he's retired now. You know, he he was only a year or two away from retirement when I took the job. And uh, but he he became kind of that guy for me that you know offensively in the option game I really leaned on. But you know, through the years, uh, probably the one guy, the one constant that John Berlin, who's my defense coordinator here, uh, John and I coached together when we were 24. We both took head high school jobs. We both failed at one point, came back together. Um, and but he'd really been my defense coordinator since my time at Amherst, and uh, he's the guy, right? If there's a guy that I lean on, who do we? How do we make decisions? What direction do we go? It's him. It's actually one of my coworkers, um, you know. But I mentioned my dad earlier. My dad's the reason I'm doing this. He's the reason, uh, you know, that that I'm into this, uh, and that my passion is for what it is for, it and my love for it. Well, that's awesome, Coach. Hey, uh, let me get you back to thinking about when you were coaching in high school, uh, maybe at Amherst there. Um, you had a lot, of, a lot of success. What were some things you did at the high school uh, that a high school coach wanting to run uh, option offense could implement? Yeah, well, you know, um, for, for us then, we were under center primarily. And, uh, you know, the, we had a ton of success with our midline option. Um, and and it, it's a great under center play that uh, – uh, yeah, I, if you spend some time repping it, working on it, it's very hard to defend, right? You know, and, and people talk about, well, we'll go two shades and cover up a gap. Well, I'm not sure that's the answer. I we didn't really check out of it. People, people, people check. Well, we'll check the veer. Well, we didn't, right? You know, um, and so 
Uh, and then there's, you know, there, you, you got to be flexible. What I tell people, like there's always in my game been a little bit of um, flexibility to build some base game or so, something different off your option game. Right. So I remember uh, 2003 or four, we came down to Wake Forest and we were winning Amherst. We weren't, we weren't winning state championships yet. And I came down to Wake Forest and, you know, they were running a little bit of option at the time. Um, and, uh, but they had put this little counter dot package in from under center with a, with a little orbit motion and faking that. And I was like, it, it was really simple. I thought, okay, if we could give teams a little more to defend besides midline and veer, <laughs> you know, and tall sweep, that we could get really de- deadly with our athletes, right? And, and we did that. Um, and, and, and then we, we began to actually implement some hurry-up approach, but we never did it with our whole offense. Like, you know, our hurry-up approach at the high school level was five simple plays and how quick could we go, right? And, and now certainly we can do it now with our whole. So I, I think for me, thinking back, um, the ability to be flexible but still be consistent to who I was. So I was an option coach. I wanted to be an option coach. I wanted to be committed to it. But the flexibility to see how we could use a little bit of this philosophy with what we wanted to be. So, you know, I heard Rich Rodriguez speak about their hurry-up approach. And I'm like, that makes sense. Like, they're trying to get them in bad looks and keep them in bad looks. I'm like, well, why aren't we doing that with our option game? You know, options coaches, to be honest, don't talk like that. They don't think like that. They want to control the clock. Well, I do not, right? And that's probably why people don't really consider me a traditionalist option, right? Um, I don't want to control the clock. Now, it it works itself out, right? We, I think we – I don't know where we finished. We were top five in the country in time of possession last year. I'm pretty sure of it, right? But the year before, we weren't. We averaged 44 points a game in 18. We weren't close in time of possession. I really don't – you score 44 points, you're going to have a chance to win a lot of games, right? So – I think understand what you want to be and then work real hard at that and then have enough flexibility to be able to grow from that would be, you know, the things I think really worked well for us at the high school level. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely great points. I, I think the, uh, the, the flexibility and understanding your own personnel, right. Knowing who you are and then being able to integrate some of those things like you're talking about going, going to a clinic, going to meet with somebody that can, can kind of help you develop some of that flex. But, but again, sort of folding it into the basic principles, right? The, the That's right. I, well, I never left, yeah. and never in my career, uh, not been focused on what our option game is and how important it is to us. Never. Now, according to the year, it may have been midline and veer, speed option. Those are constant, right? And then maybe in some power football, okay? You know, I had a great team at Amherst that finished 10-2 and two and – uh, that's who we were, right? I, my big fullback was a man. He was a load, and we could run some mid beer with him. But man, we could run isolation and power with him, right? And then the years when we were winning state championships, we weren't running any power. I didn't have that guy, right? So, you know, I had kids who could run. So my fullback was a tailback. My tailback was another tailback, right? My slot was another tailback. And so, um, but so yeah, I, I think that that you make a good point, and, and I think that's something we've done well, and not just at the high school level. You know, people. We, we ask me a lot at the cause level, we're, we're doing the same thing, right? I mean, it's no different. Even though I'm, I'm working exclusively out of the gun, I think we've, we've really, I, I like to say, we've somewhat modernized option football for triple, right? Yeah. The people would tell you modern football, modern option football is the RPO. Well, yeah, you know, if you really want to talk triple, okay, right. you know, the gun stuff. So, but the flexibility, okay, how, how are we going to build around that? 
I know we're going to be great at that. We're going to work on that. Now, what's the other phase of who we are? Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think when you left, and again, so I, I was at William Mary when you were at Amherst. Um, yeah. And, and when you left there and went to WNL, um, you know, I think that philosophy is what really, in my opinion, I'm, I'm, I've been in this state for 20 years now. I, I think that's what really turned around that program and a compliment to you. Um, and, and I, you know, I think, you know, I'd love for you to really, you hit on it earlier about Wofford and your O-line coach, but you know, you're, you're a new head coach at WNL and, 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 you know, you, you know, you're looking to kind of establish what you wanted for that program. I'd really love to hear just the transition from Amherst to WNL, and and you know what, you're under center, and and you know you're thinking, all right, what can we do to set ourselves apart? Just you know, talk about that, and and just the the process and the level of commitment it took. You know, to maybe become a little uncomfortable at first, right? Let's oh. you know, if you if you've always been under center and now you're gonna, you know, you know, there's some uncomfortable you know, you're a little uncomfortable there. And just I'd love to hear you talk about it for, for those because you know, I will be honest, we Tony and I would get a lot of phone calls, we get a lot of emails about all kind of stuff, but I do think there's a big apprehension of, among guys that are under center, you know, what what that nervousness about being in the gun, you know what I mean? So, and, yeah. and I'm, I can't, can't excuse myself from that, from that conversation. So, yeah. Well, listen, I, yeah, I, it was incredibly uncomfortable for me. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, but, uh, the thing that wasn't uncomfortable for me was the coaching of the option football. So I want, I had to get over the snap. I had to get over that uncomfortability for me and, the uncomfortable part was because I had really never done it. I had never had success with it because I'd never tried it. I'd never it, – that had not been a way that I had decided to grow at my high school level, right? And so um, – but to be honest, you know, uh, and, taking the, and taking the job um, at, at WNL and, you know, offensively it had been a struggle, you know. Um, they were used to averaging 16 to 20 points a game now – the hard part, their success prior to me going there was really through the air. You know, they had thrown the football and had some had some All American receivers, and, and and so that was a, that was probably some tough conversations. Um, you know, but once again, I kind of leaned on, man, I, I leaned on my Liberty High School experience to be honest, because you know, people like Ricky Falls and 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 Steve Boyer saying, hey, you know, you you got a great plan, just stick to it, work at it, stick to it, work. And so so once we made that decision. I remember sitting with, with Gavin, our offensive line coach, saying, look, and we, until in 2009 we implemented it, okay, uh, but not completely. Like, I mean, we implemented it, but I still had a small package under center, right? Um, and, and we were better in, in 2009, right? But we still weren't an explosive offense, but we were better. And, and I remember in the offseason I said, look, we're all in on this. I'm all in. We're not going to take a snap under center next year. You know, and I meant that. I'm like – for me to to really get to where I, I knew we wanted to get to as an offense and as a program, that's what it took, that kind of commitment. And we didn't. And to this day, I don't. Like, it drives my fans nuts. I know that, you know, it's fourth and one on the goal line, either goal line coming out or going in, we're in the gun. There's no there's no second guessing about it. Um, the only time we, we go into center is to take a knee at the end of the half or end of the game. And I get really uncomfortable then. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, I really do. Like we take a time, you know, to take victory at the end of the game, I take a timeout and get a couple practice snaps. And, and so, uh, you know, how do you get over that apprehension? You know, I, I think the probably the best way is, you know, certainly if you know change has to happen. And we all know that, right? I think in our heart, in our minds as coaches, we understand when something has to be modified, something has to change. We're not quite good enough. We could be better. Well, then, then that's the time to go all in on something that, that you really know you should but don't quite have the nerve to do, right? So in Amherst, I didn't have to do that because we were winning at such a big level, right? Um, you know, and so uh, – but at WNL, I had to do that, you know, and we weren't terrible. I mean, we were – 2008, I think we were 6-4 and four my first year, but then we went to 4-6. and six. But the offense was better, but we went to 4-6. and six. And so – but then 2010, third year, I committed to it. We won the championship, you know. Now, I don't know if, you know, everybody gets a little older. I had a junior quarterback. But, you know, if you look from 2010 till now, we're the nation's leading rushing offense. And, and you know, over years, you, you really don't know why initially, but over years you learned you, you really gained some advantages that I never gained under center, right? So things I had to work on constant under center, I don't have to work on that. And that gives me more time to work on that quarterback center exchange, <laughs> you know, the thing that makes us all nervous. Like, You're right. <laughs> I start every practice that way. Every practice, five minutes when we go out on that field, our quarterback centers and our, our O-backs, we call our feature running back, our O-back, option back. I, you know, and I actually started that at Amherst when we were under center because the the year I wanted to move our tailback to fullback, he's like, Coach, I'm not a fullback. I'm not a fullback. Right. So, so we changed the name to option back. Well, I kept that, right? And so, uh, yeah, so our O-back, uh, they start every, every practice off for five minutes, they're taking snaps and doing snaps and doing match because our track that we use for our triple option, the gun, it's the same track if we're running midline, if we're running our our traditional triple, we're running our wide triple, we're running our our straight out give. That that quarterback exchange in the mesh, we're probably doing that if we run eighty plays. Our goal is eighty to eighty-five plays a game. So if we if we actually get that number. 45 to 50 of them are going to be that. And so every day we're doing that, right? Well, that wasn't the case under center, right? You know I mean, your veer footwork, your inside veer footwork is different from your outside veer, your yep. midline, your counter steps. Everything was different for your quarterback and your, and your fullback. That is not the case anymore, right? And to me, that's the selling point. If you're looking to do something a little different, that's one of the selling points. I got a lot of them, but that's right. Oh, that's great, man. That's hey, great listen, points. feel free to interrupt me. Y'all get me on a subject now. I can go. You're yeah, no. No. Coach, we, we interrupt we, me. We, we, you know, we, we're, this is what it's about, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we want people to, to listen to you talk about it. And, you know, I mean, we can all hear your passion. We're not stopping you. That's yeah. <laughs> feel free to. It'll be okay. No, no. Hey, it's the nuggets, man. Appreciate that. All right, let's talk about Davidson College a little bit. Uh, you mentioned it's high academic, and um, I believe you guys play in the Pioneer League, correct? Can you That's talk, correct. Talk, talk, talk about that a little bit, Coach, and then what, what you're looking for in a prospective uh, student athlete. Yeah, so, so we're, we're at the, playing at the FCS Division I level. Uh, we're in the Pioneer League. So there are two non-scholarship athletic scholarship leagues in, our, in, in the FCS, ours and the Ivies. Okay, so uh, – you know, the, the difference is our league has an automatic bid to the FCS playoff system. All right, so that certainly makes us unique. Um, now, the thing that's probably a little different is we're the really high academic school in our league, you know. Um, 
So, and it's a national league. So our league is spread out from San Diego, you know, San Diego's in our league to Stetson in Florida, to Drake, um, Valpo up in Indiana, Maris up in New York. So it's a, you know, in, in, in retrospect, it's a great league. It's a league made up of FCS football programs that really just uh, can't or, you know, or in some cases just don't or at the time can't afford the full athletic scholarship for football. And that, you know, what people don't understand is that money has to be accounted for. I, I think so many people get lost at, hey, scholarship programs, that means schools are just letting them in for free. Well, that's not – no, that's not the case. Like, you have to account for that money. You have to – fundraise that money or it has to be given to you by the college. And, um, you know, and, and people now in this day and age are learning how expensive and how, you know, schools are dropping sports because of that. And right. so I watched, uh, I watched Jacksonville, uh, Ian Shields with the flex bone, you know, I watched you guys playing yeah. last year and, 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 uh, they just dropped their program. Yeah. And so it, it, you know, I actually think we're in a great situation because we don't have that burden over us. Right. You know, what, what, it, what would that look like to have, you know, our tuition is, you know, 70,000 a year, right? So at 64 scholarships, I mean, we can all do the math on that, right? We're a million dollars each year. So I'm not really sure. And, my, and I was fortunate. My son played University of Richmond, and he was a full scholarship player. And uh, we're very fortunate. And he had a great career and loved it. But I just – I don't know how 90% of the FCS world continues to do that. Um, I think it's tough. And I don't think they do. I think there's a lot of – you know, we're not fully funded, we're, we're this funded. And so our league is not athletic scholarship, which I think is probably could be a growing trend, like Presbyterian drop scholarships, um, they're coming in our league. You know? um, and so, you know, uh, I, I think it's a great league. Um, and it's such a competitive league. And, you know, most of the schools that you know, most of the schools athletic programs probably uh, found their name through another sport, you know, Dayton and basketball and us in basketball, right? San Diego, probably in baseball, right? Um, Stetson in baseball, but they all have division one athletic programs and are committed to football. And it's very competitive. If you look at some of the wins in our conference, right? You know, Butler beat Youngstown state two years ago. You know, we went on and beat Butler that year. Right. Uh, you know, um, you, you can look at San Diego who had, uh, um, Cal Poly beat last year and lost on the, you know, a, a fluke play at the end of the game. Right. Um, they, you know, they beat Harvard last year to start the season, right? We see the Ivies occasionally beating Army. So, you know, that's been the surprise for me here is that how competitive our league and really our level of football is, you know, two scholarship programs. So, you know, we, we played Campbell last year, Campbell's full scholarship in the Big South now. And they had to kick a 51-yard field goal with no time on clock to beat us. And we turned the ball over four times. I mean, we, we had every opportunity at their place and we should have won that game, right? And then – and we beat Georgetown, who's a partial scholarship. I think Georgetown, they're Patriot. I, I don't know what exactly they are. I think they're 30, maybe. Um, but so that's our league. I think it's a great league. Um, you know, for us, it all starts looking academic. So we are, we are one of the top 10 academic schools in the country every year. So if you look at our academic rankings, you know, we're up there with the, the Ivies, right? Um, you know, and WNL is very similar, which made this a very comfortable move for me, right? You know, the uncomfortability was – now, coaching football at that next level, right, um, for me here. But um, the, the recruiting piece, how we run the program is eerily similar. I just have more resources now, right? I have a bigger staff. We have an Under Armour account. You know, uh, we, we have a jet that flies us to our games, right? But 
it's, it was so similar. It, it really made the transition smooth, right? You know, um, my athletes, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coaching Division One athletes here, but the academics are so similar and, and uh, our recruiting. So we start, we start there, and um, I think we can recruit maybe 1%, 2% of the country athletically, right? Where So that's our challenge, but it's also our strength because then we can, you know, we find those pockets of kids. We can really show them a lot of attention. And, you know, here we are. We're, we're in the middle of June. We have four commits. You know, I would go through the FCS world and find out who else has four commits at this point. Right. And and they're they're good players. And last year we, we had six kids who committed us that had full scholarship offers that turned them down. You know, we had a we got a DB coming from California that turned out a Nevada offer. Right. So because kids want some of that high academic world, right? right? And they see the value in that. And we're gonna support that, right? You know, we're not gonna tell them they gotta be here all summer. You know, if they get internship opportunities, uh, we've had kids in London doing internships and we've had kids in San Diego, uh, we've had kids in Dallas doing shadowing programs for med programs. And so um, we're going to support all that. And, and I think that really um, is one of the things that, that our staff has done a great job of making sure our recruits know. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Davidson has a lot to offer. That's for sure. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's, an exci- it's, it's an exciting time to come here, you know, and for, for the high school guys that, that, that I talked to, you know, one of the biggest things we talk football wise, I mean, we want guys that love to play the game. You know, I think you have to. You know, college football is really hard. You know, um, and, and I don't know that because I didn't play it. I know that because I raised one, right? And and you know, probably we, you you guys asked me about being a mentor and who's my mentor. The the biggest influence in my coaching career, and I can say this without hesitation, is being a dad, right? I mean, uh, I can say that there's. Nothing comes close to it. So, and I'm not just talking raising my son, who's a football player, but my daughter as well, who played athletics, right? When you raise kids or involved in sports, if you're paying attention, you really, it, it has to mold you a little bit, right? You know, and, and certainly Porter playing Division One uh, football and going through the process like he did and playing for Coach Rocco was a great experience. And right. Coach Mendez last year, you know, I learned a lot in the recruiting process, the everything. And so, uh, man, I'm so grateful. Now he's on my staff. I don't know if y'all knew that, right? So he's my wide receiver tight end coach. Yeah, yeah. He's still awesome. teaching me things. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we've had a couple guys on in the past that have, have, have either played for their dads or, or, or have, or have coached their kids and, and they've been on staff with them. Um, and it's just irreplaceable. I, you know, it just, that experience that, the whole part of it, um, you know, that's that's awesome. It is, it is. I think I think my son and I would both tell you. I think we're getting the better of the deal. I I really I had a hard time not coaching him, um, but loved watching him play. And um, I grew. I yeah, I became a better coach because I didn't coach him to be honest. And I missed some of the things he did at Richmond, but got to watch enough of it. And we, you know, he called me every week, like I used to call my dad because my dad couldn't travel and come to all my games and. Um, I did travel in the, you know, they played so many postseason, you know, they played in the Fargo Dome. And so when my season was over WNL, I did a lot of traveling. I traveled to Dakota twice and Illinois State. And so we experienced some great stuff together. But coaching with him is, it's just really been a blessing. And I, I think to, to a point, probably surprised both of us a little bit because we hadn't worked together. You know, there's always that uncertainty where it's going to be. Um, but uh, yeah, so really grateful for the, the opportunity. Well, Coach, can you uh, let's talk about practice a little bit. Can you give the li- listeners some ideas of how you practice the, the GTO, the gun control option, 
uh, example like individual drills, how you structure your group and team and your overall practice plans? Yeah, yeah, good question. So um, for years, we, we've, like everyone else, we plan out everything, right? You, you know, we, we as coaches, yeah, we, we, got, a, we got a map for it. Um, and and I I've, I've haven't changed it a great deal over the years. Certainly my practice plans probably look a little more sophisticated than they used to look. We, they, I was teaching five classes, so I was writing it down on, on a piece of paper, like what, what we're going to do for each period and how many reps I wanted to get. And, you know, my script was written on my hand at times. But uh, so it definitely looks a little more official now, but very similar. Um, I, I do think this, I, I think we run, I think we run, if not the most efficient practice in the country, we're one of them. You know, I don't know. I don't see everybody else practice, but, you know, when, when it's the thing that I learned at WNL, you know, when you, when you coach at Washington Lee, you know, the high academics, it's the same thing. You know, you don't get your kids for all the practice, right? I mean, the, the academics always come first. And so you, your quarterback's leaving practice, your running back's coming in, your offensive line, you know, they're, and so you, you got to learn to be efficient with your time. And that, I always thought I was okay, I was okay with that at the high school level, you know, but uh, I learned that at WNL really how to be more efficient, how to be really efficient. And so we don't have a practice over an hour and 50 minutes once classes start. Uh, um, and haven't had one for years. Uh, you know, we even, you know, we played Mount Union, number one team in the country my last year at WNL. Same thing, we just follow the same protocol. And you just, you got to train, you know, first thing we did here the first spring, we kind of trained our players how to practice. Because I believe in that. Like, you know, we're not going to waste time. And and I'm not going to spend time, you know, we film everything. I spend very little time stopping practice and correcting people. You know, there'll be that rare moment, but we're moving, you know, if we have a 10-minute period that's a team period, we better get 20 plays in. I mean, that's our goal, right? And we're, if we practice at that pace, you know, the reward is you don't have to do a lot of conditioning and, and whether it's drill period. And so I think, you know, the, the thing that really coaches out there listening is, you know, understand that your, your players love football, but understand that you want them to have a life outside of football. I think the best players do, right? They, they understand, you know, and so if the practice isn't good at an hour and 50 minutes or two hours, you you know this as well as I do. You all know it. It's not getting better when you go two hours and ten minutes. And so uh, it took me a long time to learn that. Um, but since I've learned it, I've become a much better coach. And so that's the first thing. We're really efficient. We plan out everything from our drill periods. And then, you know, for our option stuff, it's just boring. But it's what you should be doing, right? Like the pre-practice, five minutes. And that pre-practice, that's part of the hour and 50, by the way. Right? When I talk, you know, most people don't include that. We do. Okay, because they, they're like, oh, we practice hour 50, but we're pre-practice for 20 minutes. And yeah. Straight, yeah. Right. <laughs> our whole – from pre-practice till we walk off the field, and once our classes starts, an hour and 50. Okay, so, you know, our pre-practice, you know, every day we're, we're doing our gun snaps with our meshes. We call it mesh period with our quarterbacks, our O-backs, and our centers, right? You know, I can tell you right now, every every Tuesday, okay, we do, we do a complete option period with our entire offense to understand what the reads are for the week, what the, you know, um, what adjustments we have, what, you know, what are, what are the scouting reports? And when I say it's an option period, it's, it's a, it's right. a run through, right. On cans. Um, every Wednesday we're doing two ball drill, right. For timing and purposes. Okay. Um, and, and we're also uh, on Wednesday going to incorporate some kind of cut block drill because we can cut block at the collegiate level, which I couldn't do it school but we're going to involve that we're going to work on that um and and we're not going to do a whole lot live 
And that kind of surprises people, which I did a ton of live at the high school level, you know, but those are different days, right? Um, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. But I, I do very little live. Um, so, and it's a routine. My quarterbacks could run their own practice right now. Now I'm out there and I'm correcting all the little things. But if you said, Hey, Tyler Phelps is our senior quarterback. Hey, coach Abel is not going to be in practice until team period. He could go right through the drill period. He knows them like the back of his hand. He understands the emphasis on why we do them from our throwing progression to our footwork progression to our option progression. And, you know, every now and then we got to create some new things to keep it, you know, keep those juices. But we always come back to the, to the stuff that you know you got to be great at, right? What you got to determine, you know, you got to determine. I got some young coaches out there calling offense at the college level now. I know y'all talked to one of my old guys who's, you know, Bobby Jones. Yeah, um, Bobby. Love Bobby and, and Bobby and I talk about this a lot, right? You know, it, you don't you don't have to to be a great offense and a great offense coordinator. You don't have to run the option. You just got you got to be you have to decide what you want to be great at. Yeah. You can be great at everything, right? So, what do you want to be great at? And, and you know, Bobby did a great job. If you watched Washington Lee this year, and you know, he grew our offense. You know, and Bobby's running a version of my offense now, and um, but he grew it, right? And him and I share ideas all the time, but. You got to decide what you want to be great at and work at. And that's not sexy. I'm just, you know, I don't care if you're throwing the mesh crossing route 20 times a game, right? Or you're working on four verts all day. If you work on the same thing over and over, it's not sexy, but it usually gets results. Yeah. I, I tell you, what, one, one thing I thought was unique that I actually picked up on uh, from what you were doing at U, uh, uh, Washington Lee was uh, the pitch line, you know, where you yeah. have running across the width of the field. I thought that was uh, innovative and unique. I was like, man, that's cool. You can get a bunch of pitches with all your quarterbacks real quick and get them through there. And then uh, the mesh, you know, where yeah. you have to run the line to them. I'd, I'd never seen that. And then uh, from then on out, I, I incorporated that into what we do. So that's oh, good well, stuff. Coach. Well, I appreciate that, Tony. I'm glad you're using You know, and you guys, you guys both know this um, better than – well, you know, better than I did, but – I am the coach today because I coached high school football. It's, it should almost be a prerequisite, right? I mean, because you have to be – you don't have a full staff. And at WNL, I didn't have a full staff. So, at, at Washington Lee, you know, and, and these are the things that Bobby and I talk about a lot because now I have a bigger staff. But I, I coached our quarterbacks, right? I coached our O-backs and I coached our slots, right? So, as the head coach, I coached three positions. So, I mean, you have to be creative to, to create drills that really incorporate all your guys because what you don't want – you don't want that guy – that running back who, oh, I'm just holding a bag for somebody. That may occasionally happen. So, uh, man, just through the years, and I challenge myself all the time, hey, create drills that are meaningful, impactful, not just to do drills, right? And, and that's what I had to learn to do. And I still do the mesh line drill, um, but I have a running back coach now. You know, <laughs> he's over there on his emphasis, right? And if they can't come over, you know, to, to do that, then you know what? That means Coach A was probably the running back doing the mesh for the quarterbacks. <laughs> it's true, okay? Uh, and so, um, yeah, you, you guys know this. You're understaffed, and you got to be creative. Yeah. No, it, definitely. Makes you <laughs> better, that's for sure. It does. It really well, does. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think you appreciate more of it, the whole, the whole process of it. You appreciate everything about it, you know, yeah. um, smelling the grass, painting lines, like you said, trying to figure out a drill to keep every kid involved instead of having 20 kids standing around, you know, that's, you fall in love with all of that stuff at the, at the high school level and even some of the small college level for sure. Yeah, you really do. 
Coach, talk about the snap, man. Are, are you guys traditional shotgun snap? Or are you dead snapping with two hands? I, I think it's, it's a source of – I won't say contention. That's probably not fair. But it's a source of discussion um, and, and a lot of option circles. You know, uh, it's the snap. And I, I know – You're freezing on me. You and Tony are frozen. Can you all uh, hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Coach. I don't um, – We can hear you. No, there you go. You're back. There you go. Um, okay. but, but, and I, and I've also heard you speak, um, about how you kind of, you feel the, uh, the reads for the quarterback are a little easier. So just maybe talk about, you know, your, your particular style of snap and then, you know, what makes you think you know, feel the quarterback's reads are a little easier out of time. Sure. I mean, I like to be a traditional shotgun snap. Um, I, I will, we're going to give a little bit of flexibility to the center. So I'll give you an example. We, we played at one point this year with our fourth center, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine wow. it. I'm impressed and, you had a fourth center, Coach. No, Trained listen. up enough to play some football. <laughs> listen, he – he, he uh, yeah, well, he was surprised he had to play center. But well, That kid deserves a trophy. <laughs> or what a, it had, we lost – yeah, we lost our number one center um, uh, game five against Jacksonville. And we actually lost our number two center in game two. He was our number number one – or one of our guards, right? They cross-trained. So then our, our third center came in and really did a great job. But then up at Butler, he gets hurt. And so a kid who had never played very little college football. But we've been working with him at center for weeks just trying to get ready because, you know, that's the – I mean, if you're a gun triple team, you got to have a center, right? If somebody's got to start the car. And so the only way he could consistently really get it where it was a dead snap, right? You know, the 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 – the end football. And uh, so yeah, and so we let him do it. And it was fine. Probably a little tough on my quarterbacks. But we like to be traditional there. You know, for the advantage that I think, you know, when you look at what we do with our, our gun option stuff, um, for our quarterbacks, I do think it's, it's definitely user-friendly for a quarterback. And I use that – what I mean by that first, you know, the, the reads, you know, um, once he's actually secured the snap and all that happens, right, that now he has better angles to read it, and he's not worried about people all over him, right? Under center, man, your quarterback's getting stepped on, right? He's trying to read inside veer, outside veer, midline. At the same time, man, there are people right there in his face. So that separation, it just it's a it's a better environment. And I've read, you know, our quarterbacks, I think, certainly have read it better through the years. I think so, right? Um, and you know, they have better angles, but I think it's more important because they're comfortable, right? They don't feel threatened right now because, you know, the the speed of the under center game is what it is, right? It's quick hitting, and and, and if you're under center, it's probably what you want. You let's go, right? Um, but in the gun, it doesn't hit as quick, and so your quarterback has a little more time, and he's not being stepped on. He's not feeling like he's getting ready to get his chin knocked off, and you know that's the first way it's user friendly. And then secondly, you know, my quarterbacks don't take those hits, right? I mean. Um, Every time I say this, I should knock on wood. But, you know, uh, the season that I had a quarterback really injured was 2017. My last year at WNL, my starter, who was a dude, went down the fourth game, got hurt game game three. Uh, game Well, got hurt game four, and we were two and two. And – Came back for game five, thought, you know, he thought he was okay, but he wasn't. Played like two snaps, took him out, never played again. And we didn't lose another game. And my, my, my other two quarterbacks had 
never taken a college snap. I mean, literally, one was a freshman and one was a sophomore that played another position the year before. Had never taken a snap in a game, and we didn't lose another game, right? And and this the kind of the, the point I want to make behind that. So all these years of these now ten complete seasons of run this gun option stuff. That's the only year where I've had a quarterback miss significant time. Now I may have a quarterback come out for a play or two. I had a quarterback in two thousand and thirteen or fourteen miss a game or two. Um, uh, what? Because I threw the ball. True story. Uh, we were up 28 to nothing against Bridgewater and into the half. And we had, we had not thrown a pass. And, and we were destroyed. I mean, we rushed like 300 yards. And I called a little play action guys wide open. And he completed it. But when he followed through, he hit a helmet and broke his thumb. That's what I get for calling a passing player. <laughs> so, uh, the uh, – yeah, so I, my quarterbacks don't take quite those hits. Now, my quarterback got a little banged up this year, and it slowed us down. But then I can manipulate the offense a little bit to protect him, you know. But he didn't miss a start, you know. But it did slow him down. Yeah, he, he got he got a little banged and bruised in his shoulder, you know. Um, uh, but he didn't miss a start. So I think it's user-friendly a couple ways. All right, this next question is kind of – you just kind of sort of touched on it. Um, about the under center versus the gun, or maybe even a short pistol. When we always get the uh, the, the debate going in in, in our <laughs> circles, you know what I mean. And uh, but I think I, I saw where you had a game where you rushed for seven hundred and eighty nine yards, and four guys had over one hundred and fifty. So I think you're the the right guy to to make the argument for the gun offense, right? But is is it a valid argument for guys that argue the speed is is quicker under center? And then uh, I know I was working with a couple guys this this uh, offseason where they're trying to uh, go from the gun, but they want to do like the Tim Tebow where he steps and attacks, you know what I mean, to just try to pick the speed up because they're so focused on that, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully I'm articulating that, that argument right. What's your take, Coach? Well, you know, for, for somebody who's done it both ways, um, I, I haven't done the, I the kind of short pistol, right, you know, um, but for guys done it both ways, I, I, I do think there's a – there, you can point to advantages both ways, right? And, you know, and I think you've already hit on the understander. It hits quicker, right? Um, there, it, you know, everything's just going to be quicker, right? Your quarterback's going to feel rushed, but it's going to be quicker. Um, but everything's going to happen at the line of scrimmage, you know? So uh, things are certainly going to happen a little slower for us, but I want it to. And nothing's going to happen at the line of scrimmage, okay? Um, it's all going to happen. And I want my quarterback to keep his depth, right? Because – any of those gray areas at all, right, we want a quarterback that's going to beat him, right? Where I used to say under center, hey, any doubt at all, give the football. Give the football. Any doubt, right? We've all said that, right? Well, in the gun now, hey, any doubt at all, let's pull and see if you can beat him because big plays are happening out on the perimeter, right? And that is what I found. I get to the perimeter so much more out of the gun option. And what I would tell you is all the under center option, the, the flex one, they may get to the printer, but it's rarely with option. It is with the rocket toss, right? You know, you can chart all the option football under center, and how many times are they actually pitching it on triple, right? And so, um, for us, we averaged eight yards every time I call our base triple. And, and it hit equally from our, our O-back to our quarterback to our pitch guy. That means it's hitting in all three phases regularly, which under center, that was never happening, right? right. So, I think that has made us better. And I think um, that has given us advantages. But the one advantage 
that I would tell you of all the ones I've talked about that probably I would, I, I have to admit is the biggest one is what it does for your offensive line. Right. Um, you know, the years of under center, how quick can you get off the football, move that line of scrimmage, right? Get, stay low, pad level low. Well, guys aren't being taught that anymore. Right. And on so our offensive lines, we're not, I'm not actually asking them to move the line of scrimmage. I'm asking them to cover guys up on the line of scrimmage, right? We don't actually have to move the line of scrimmage. We have to cover guys up, and we have to understand where our pads need to engage, right? And we more talk about, hey, let's let's reach his inside half, right? Um, but the, I can show you clips. Well, it's one of – so I, I have some I have some cut-ups that I use. I've used at a couple clinics, some Zoom clinics, and – the second cut-up is a 74-yard touchdown by our O-back, and it's our triple. And if you just watch the offensive line play, you're like, damn, they, that, that, that's not very good, right? And, well, <laughs> they initially covered the guy up, right? And then, but they kind of got destroyed right off the football. Well, because of what we teach that back, he was able to see that because I'm not saying go 1,000 miles an hour, right? Hey, he has rules, right? Um, and because of those rules, he, he saw that happening in the mesh and was able to get out of it, right? And it went to the house from 74 yards, right? And so uh, that, that is a huge advantage. Not, and we've had nine All-American offensive linemen in the last 10 years, somehow, some way, right? There's like five All-American teams. So I, I'm not going to debate that and all that. But nine different ones, okay? And, so, um, and it's because – we rush for so many yards, right? And we've had some really good linemen because we're giving them a system that they can do, right? And, and um, so, you know, those are – my arguments would be that if you give it enough time and you work at it, man, there, there's there's a lot of opportunities there, all right? And you're going to have bad plays, but uh, we don't have very many negative plays, um, but you're actually going to get an opportunity to run triple, which I don't think a true under center team does that very often. Midline's great for him, right? I was that guy. Midline was great. Toss was great. But my veer is okay. My triple, you know, my triple under center was okay. Now it's great. Now my midline's not as good. So that is the only play I miss under center is midline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That, and I think a lot of, I mean, look, mid triple has become the way to get to the perimeter if you're under center. So that's right. Well, mid triple is the way, right? Yeah. And so, but it's not inside veer. You know what I mean? So, um, I think uh, I think you're right. Um, you know, and then there's not many. Look, I, I think Kennesaw, Citadel, Harding, you know, Springfield. There's not many people left actually reading inside Veer anymore. You know what I mean? Under center, you know. Under center, yeah. So, um, so I, I agree with you. Hey, before we, yeah, we really again can't thank you enough. I know you got to get home to your wife. Um, if there's one or two things, you know, you go back and tell yourself as a young coach uh, that might could help our listeners, you know, that are either younger high school guys or, or newly minted, you know, college assistant coaches, you know, what, what would you tell yourself as a – if you could go back in time, right, the one, just the one or two things, you know, you're at, you're at Bedford, you're, you know, you're at Amherst and, 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 and – or maybe even Washington and Lee, who knows. But anyway, what would you, what would you, what would you say? Well, I, you know, I would tell you this. I, I there's, I don't, I don't regret any of those moments uh, or any things because I think they all shape who you are, right? You know, they help you grow. I, I do think, um, man, I was a really intense young coach. Uh, now, some of my players would tell you that's probably why we were good, but 
<laughs> you know, um, I, I would tell myself that not every moment had to be that intense. You know, uh, you, you know, you know, the, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think that the other thing that I think I would really stress, and I think it's something I, I did, I did a lot, but just tell the guys the, the importance of really shaping your, your athletes as a whole, right. Um, really supporting them playing other sports, supporting them outside of football. Um, and I think I did that, but I mean, I know all of us, especially you're that young coach and you're intense and I mean, you're driven a hundred miles an hour. Right. And, and um, it's just, I mean, we're all better off. I'm a better coach uh, because I want to go home to my wife. I'm a better coach because right. I, I enjoy a good golf game with, with my family, my brothers, or my, my son. Right. You know, and I think we, we get so caught up in that, man, we got to make this 24 seven and that's not true. Right. I've, I've been around some coaches who make it 24 seven and they've really failed. Right. And, and I've been around coaches who, who, you know, uh, I won't mention the programs, but I, in a matter of one year, my program had visited two really high profile programs and two completely different approaches. And they both worked right. One approach was, I think kind of similar to the way we do things, which is, you know, my staff, they, you know, they somewhat have can come and go. I mean, they're all here. But if they have to make a doctor's appointment or they want to go meet their wife for lunch, and you know, they're not expected to be in the office because I'm in the office, right? And, and you hear that, right? You got to be in the office because I'm in the office. That, I think that's just ludicrous. And, uh, and so, and then there's that, the other side of it, they're 24 7, and it works both ways, right? So I think you got to find what works for you. But man, just allow people to have those, those outside of football life. They'll, they'll be better coaches for you, right? Your players will be better players, and then go support them, right? Go, I remember sitting in the Liberty High School State Championship games before we were any good supporting those guys. And you know what? It got me a couple of those guys out on the football field, right? Um, but I also remember butting heads with maybe a, a basketball coach later on um, about gym space. That seems really trivial, right? I mean, come on, right? You know, and so I think, you know, let's never take ourselves too seriously. You know, um, try to enjoy the kids, enjoy the game. It's an awesome game that we're all so blessed to be a part of. That's a, that's an awesome way to wrap it up, Coach. We really appreciate you coming on tonight. I really do. Well, thanks, guys. It's really been my pleasure. It's been – I said at the beginning, this is therapy for me right now, right? <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we've missed spring football and we don't talk enough. So, I, I, I appreciate it. So, thank you. Awesome, awesome. Glad to have you on, Coach. Thank you so much. All right. That's going to wrap this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. You can download or listen to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Podcast app. You can go on and rate us if you think we're any good and leave us some comments that you might think uh, you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Again, I'm Matt McLeod. You can reach me on Twitter at RunTheTriple. Again, that's at RunTheTriple. Our Mesh Point Podcast uh, has its own Twitter page. That is at the mesh point again at the mesh point. You can also find me on flexbonenation.com. Have an option blog there and write articles and have plays uh, that can help you out particularly during the season. All right, Tony, I want you to let the listeners know how they can get you on social media. All right, guys, go to Three Face Football on Twitter at Three Face Football, and uh, you'll you'll be able to follow my account and. Um, 
the cool thing about it is, is every Monday we do something called Mesh Point Monday, and basically I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic. And it's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and uh, to, to get together and network and and uh, get to know each other and you know talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch uh, catch that every Monday, eight o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag Mesh Point to see everybody's responses uh, to to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great great way to uh, build our networks and, and and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter, so it's real cool. Also, check out the website threefacefootball.net. Uh, we've got some cool gear, like Fear the Veer. You'll see in the background here, uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, Mesh Point gear, and and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well.